Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind Stocks and a Move. I'm Corey Johnson with episode number 169. Well, just ahead, how pet toy retailer Chewy is navigating a post-COVID puppy world. And is there any way for Retailer Express to right the ship? And looking at the cloud and expense cutting with Coupa CEO Rod Bernstein right ahead of earnings. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA. Never miss another critical event or insight ever with ERA. Customize your company watch lists and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's ERA, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you can listen to The Drill Down in so many ways, but the best way to listen to The Drill Down is all the time made easier by subscribing. So click the subscribe button and follow us on your favorite podcast network. And The Drill Down is brought to you by Brain Trust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Brain Trust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com, to learn more. I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got business stories, not just wiggly lines of stock chart movement. No, we're going to tell you these businesses work. I'm going to do that with the help of executive producer Isaac Webster. Isaac. Hey, Corey. So I want to get right to it. You ready? What stocks are you drilling down on today? Start with Chewy. Chewy. Uh, Chewy trades under CHWY. Shares have fallen 61% over the past 12 months, currently trading around 34 bucks a share with a 52-week high of $91. Yeah, so this stock taking it on the chin here. This company yeah. supplies toys and dog food and things uh, um, for pets. Uh, and uh, I've had the misfortune of talking to... Um, someone at animal shelter recently uh, in, in great detail. And what I found out and, and sort of fact-checked when I looked at the Chewy results um, were that dog shelters, so many people adopted dogs during COVID. They adopted yeah. pets during COVID. The, mm-hmm. the pet ownership, it was, it was literally hard to find certain pets to adopt, certainly the purebreds and the puppy mills and so on, um, were, were selling out left, right, and center. Um, yeah. Well, a lot of those people found out they didn't want to have a dog or they couldn't handle a dog or they are getting evicted from their apartments now that evictions are legal again and uh, they're losing the ability to keep these pets. And so oh, the God. shelters are absolutely overwhelmed. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a horrible situation. I visited uh, the Milo Foundation's uh, offices here in the San Francisco Bay Area and they've adopted, they adopted, a, well, heck, while I was there on Saturday, they adopted about 15 dogs that day. Um, really? Really, lots of people adopting dogs, but they've got more than they can handle. And, how, how, um, how does I, that I, compare to times past pre-COVID? Uh, they, well, they, unfortunately, they've always been busy, but uh, they yeah. really are overwhelmed right now. And they do think that it has something to do with this snapback from people just not able to handle the pets they acquired during COVID. Um, and some of the stories are worse, right? You know, the dogs left by the right. side of the road or, or found in, in left abandoned in parks and so on. 
Um, it's, right. it's just awful. And, um, and I strongly encourage people, I'm giving money to the Milo Foundation. I encourage other people to do the same, whether it's your local animal shelter or call the Milo Foundation here in the Bay Area, and they could, they could use the help. But uh, I thought it was interesting to look at the results from Chewy in that context. Now, they're, they're trying to put lipstick on the pig. We've got a lot of that in today's show. Companies describing things as, as lovely. Maybe they're pigs as pets, too. I don't know. Also a bad idea. You can't handle it. But in any case, these guys are referring to it now as the COVID disruption and the cohorts from the COVID period. In other words, people that got pets that didn't keep the pets or aren't going to keep uh-huh. the pets. And they're talking about things snapping back. The problem with this company's really had is keeping customers. Customers come and use their product and bolt. And I think one of the things that's not really being said here is people just aren't keeping their pets. That like the, in the last couple of years during COVID, like pet owners have typically behaved when they get a pet and keep a pet for a, a long time. So when they talk here about the COVID disruption and the COVID cohort, cohort, I think what CFO Mario, Mario Marte is, is talking about really here is people who just are getting rid of their pets and that's screwing up the business for Chewy. Here's Mario Marte. And I'll tell you, when we expect to lab the COVID disruption, so uh, yeah. go back to the way we've explained our customer retention over time. Most of the attrition that happens in our, for, our COVID, for our cohorts period, no matter when we acquire them, happen year one into year two. And why is that? Is because in the first year that they join the platform, uh, they're counted as active customers the entire time, even if they don't return to make a purchase. So we see the first effect one year out after their first purchase. Uh, there's also a, a, another step, year two to year three, because they may have come back throughout the, throughout the first year and they, they get counted through, uh, through that second year, uh, or at least one year from their, you know, their, their last purchase, let's call it that way. Um, so if you think about the 2020 cohort, and by the way, after, after two years with us, they tend to stay with us for a very long time, and we can go back cohort after cohort, year after year, and see the same pattern over time. So if you think about the 2020 uh, cohort, uh, which would have been the first COVID cohort, uh, those customers are now, uh, have lapped two years with us. The first year is 2020, second year 2021. So now we're starting to see sort of, uh, um, this is what we're saying, they're, they're stabilizing, they're, their retention stabilizing over time. Uh, 2021, uh, they're, they're in the middle of their second year. Uh, they counted all last year, they're in the middle of the second year. So we're going to see that, their stability, and we're starting to see some, some signals from there as well. Um, um, as we get into out of this year and into 2023. So stability for this business might mean a much smaller business. Yeah. And I mean, they're in a tough business. I mean, I'm a pet owner and, but the, you know, no offense, but the Chewy model doesn't really, you know, appeal to me. I like to go to the pet store um, to find the things that I feel like my dog is going to like. And the subscription model for Chewy doesn't really, you know, I, I imagine there's a lot of pet owners like me that aren't going to even try out Chewy. I think that when we see what the post-COVID, you know, uh, having your pet toy sent to you when the pet stores were closed because of quarantine made a lot of sense. You had a brand new pet. You did, were doing everything online. You started buying the stuff online. Yeah, you had to, right? Yeah. I think that the way that people do everything in the post-quarantine, post-COVID world, we're starting to see that hit certain businesses. And we're hearing that in some of these conference calls. And you're certainly seeing that with Chewy. Corey, what is your next drill down? I want to look at the retailer Express. Express. Express trades under EXPR and shares have dropped 23% over the past week and dropped over 73% in a year. 
In fact, just over a year ago, EXPR Express shares touched $7 a share, but they're now trading at a buck fifty. Yeah, a horrible decline in market cap from about, and we normally don't look at companies this small, company about 100 million market cap now, was what was a 600 million market cap company in January. So really brutal times for Express. Um, having a real hard time of uh, managing inventory, managing supply chain, getting fashion trends right. How, Isaac, how would you describe the, uh, the clothing at Express? Um, come on, you know, don't be nice. I never am. Actually, I try to always be, I mean, listen, I feel like Express, they try very hard to, <laughs> Jesus, um, that is trying hard to be nice. No, they, they, they try very hard to be a competitor in the fast, casual, um, landscape, you know, up against Zara, H&M, H&M yeah. and they tried They you know, they try to differentiate themselves, I think with more of what they consider a more sophisticated look that's uh, even leans on like an Armani exchange, but they've never quite kind of failing for men and women. Yeah. I don't know. Like there there's, they had a moment. I remember they had a moment when I was a child, but maybe that's because I lived in the Midwest. You were a child I, I'm not a sure. long time ago, Isaac, come on. A very long time ago. Express. I don't know. Express. I've always, I, I'm, I'm always amazed that they're still around. Yeah. Well, to be they're, honest. they're, no they're increasingly Express. less Pleasure around rights. and, and uh, once again, putting lipstick on the pig for these guys. But really, uh, the business is, is really struggling. And um, I think that when you look at their results, what you see is a company that's talking about the little things they're doing to improve. But I think that uh, what was interesting also is trying to manage inventory while you're trying to capture in, in an extraordinarily difficult time to do so, right? Where you've, yeah. it's where companies overordered because they couldn't get product a year ago. Now they're getting too much product, but they're still not sure what they're going to get and when they're going to get it. At the same time, they're trying to land a fashion trend. At the same time, their customers' lives are totally changing and going back to work. Kids going back to school sometimes for the first time. I saw someone in our office today bring in their little kid, and I was thinking about all my friends who've got little kids where there's one COVID infection. They shut down the classroom. Yeah. Um, you, Gosh, you, I've gone through that so many you've times. You've dealt, dealt with that so often. Yeah, so, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it, absolutely. And so I think when we look at Express, what we're seeing here is a company that's trying to land a 747 on a small aircraft carrier and maybe not pulling it off. Listen to CEO Tom, sorry, Tim Baxter talking about uh, what's going on in Express. They're falling revenues and trying to capture these trends as they're happening. We have seen, as I said, um, improvement in each of the last um, few weeks. And I do think that we are certainly seeing as um, women in particular have gotten uh, kids back to school, uh, they are now shifting into that mindset of going back to work. We also are you know, um, seeing and hearing about many companies who are uh, actually going back to work um, at least part-time, some full-time uh, <laughs> in the office following Labor Day. So I think you know, we're beginning to see that. I also think that you know, as Matt mentioned uh, earlier, while modern tailoring was great for us in women's in the second quarter, we didn't actually have enough of it. Um, so as we've moved into August and certainly as we move into September, our um, inventory in those key categories also grows. And I, so I think, you know, that's also been a part of that improvement that we've seen. So he's not crazy talking about an improvement. I mean, when you look at this company a year and a half ago, their trailing revenues were about a billion two. Now they're almost $2 billion. But, uh, you know, increasingly they're, they're just missing the trends and they're missing the opportunity to get those customers where they're at while they're wrestling with inventories. It's been a real problem for Express and you see that reflected in the stock price. As an armchair observant person of this company, 
I would, I've always thought of express as like not quite hitting the nail on the head on who is your customer? What do they want? What is their lifestyle? Like, what are they, how are you catering to that? I've never felt, I think they had a moment, but you can even go to their website um, and look and it's like, this is sort of business casual meets work cocktails. Is that, you know, and it's really for like a, you know, first job out of college type of client. Work cocktails. Where do you, you know? work? <laughs> Once My upon kitchen. a time at Time Magazine, they used to have a, a bar cart that go down the hallway and serve beverages to everybody during the working evening uh, during the close of the magazine. Was that like in 1930 or? That was about, it actually, literally it was 1930. I think they continued <laughs> on until the 60s or 70s, but yes. Um, work Very drinks. Mad Men. Yeah, but maybe as relevant as Express. Yeah, exactly. Corey, what is your next drill down? I want to look at one more company that's uh, on the smaller side, about 500 million market cap, but I think really important and interesting to us right now. Rex American Resources, the pride of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, Rex American Resources trades under Rex, R-E-X, and shares have tumbled 10% over the past week, but they have gained 5% over the past 12 months, currently trading around $8 below their 52-week high of 38 bucks. So this company is an odd one. Um, but I thought it was interesting to sort of hear where, you know, we, we mentioned this concept briefly last week, but when, when times turn bad, companies find every excuse under the sun to explain what's happening with their business, uh, even when their business isn't doing so great. Now, Rex, uh, to be clear, has also seen its revenues increase substantially over the last few years on a trailing uh, basis, about $850 million uh, over the last year. Uh, the company, I should lift back up a minute, they sell ethanol and they, uh, they get corn, they, they refine and make ethanol, and they also sell some of the byproducts. But on their conference call, I, I couldn't even list all the excuses that they had for uh, their guidance and for the results. At least it, it sounded like excuses to me. They were complaining that there's not enough corn and there's not enough ethanol sales and there's not enough ethanol refineries uh, for sale at a good price. And there aren't enough meetings that they can have with White House officials. And there aren't enough trains to move their stuff. And there aren't enough dogs to eat their homework. I mean, this went on and on and on. Listen oh to Zafar Rizvi. Zafar Rizvi. What do you think? That wasn't nice. We're not doing a nice show. We're doing a real show. Zafar no, Rizvi. Totally. I just thought you were funny. The CEO of Rex American Resources. I think I'm going to speak generally, not specifically each location, but I think what we're finding is that is railroad really is not functioning properly. They, suddenly we have seen in some cases that we are the train is ready to pick up or, and uh, they're supposed to pick up on Friday, but they will not be there up to next Friday and even Sunday. So they are delaying seven, seven, eight, eight, nine, nine days. And so I think basically what they are continuously telling us that they have shortage of crews and workers and they cannot find drivers and that causing the further delay. And uh, I, I think one thing which I really is carrying stressing in other people that, you know, as long as uh, railroad has a semi-monopoly that nobody else comes to their train track unless they pay huge switching fee, as President Biden said previously, that switching fee is causing delays and transportation problems, unless uh, really federal government look at close, closely to eliminate that 
uh, limited switching fee and let every tra company, railroad company to switch each other and pay the freight and they will be easily switch the track without any extra charges. I think that will certainly will increase uh, logistic problem that it will, it will save a lot of hassle because now we are dependent only one railroad. If they don't have drivers, then we're stuck. But we don't have any choice to call somebody else to come and pick up uh, you know, our freight and uh, loaded cars, and that's, that certainly is a major problem. So that was just kind of a sample of you know, blaming the railroad, blaming President Biden, uh, you know, it was, it was on a, they, they did talk a lot about carbon capture and a potential of getting into that business and digging some holes they thought could work for carbon capture someday. Um, it, this, this, I think this could be an interesting one to watch, but uh, that may be more amusing than profitable. Who knows? I wish them luck. I wish them luck too. And I also, I, I don't know, when you bring up ethanol, I just think of like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. Subsidies, very important there. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to take a look at an interesting company in the expense management business. Of course, who doesn't want to cut expenses at their corporation? Uh, Coupa uh, is a company that helps businesses do that through software um, and that's controlling enormous purchasing power in the corporate world right now and growing fast and about to report earnings. But ahead of that, we've got Coupa CEO Rob Bernstein joining us right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. All right, welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. As promised, we're joined right now by Rob Bernstein, the CEO of Coupa. Coupa Software? Coupa, just Coupa. Rob. Is that right? Just Coupa. I usually fact check this with a 10K in front of me. The 10K window is closed right now. So uh, we've talked in the past. Tell us kind of quickly, what does Coupa do? A business spend software doesn't roll right off the tongue, but how do you describe what Coupa does? Well, we help companies of virtually any size around the world optimize every dollar of their spending. Make sure that that dollar is going to the right suppliers. Make sure that uh, they get the best deals. Make sure that uh, they're able to maintain agility with all their cash and expenditures and give visibility and insight to their spending the way that we as consumers uh, uh, love to have uh, when we look into our own wallets uh, on a daily basis. And, and there's more than just spending. procurement software. Oh, much more than that. We began in the in the procurement area, but we expanded the last 13 years of our growth to include all, all methods of spend. So uh, your invoicing, your actual payments against expenditures in real time. Uh, your expenses and your your travel and bookings. So we now uh, oversee nearly $4 trillion in spending for our nearly 3,000 customers around the world uh, and helping them optimize that, their expenditures. Yeah, I find that that metric that you guys release in your quarterlies is a really interesting one in terms of the spending that you control. So is that spending that actually goes through the platform or is that sort of beyond that of spending that's sort of influenced by the platform? No, it's literally spending that goes through the platform. Every penny, every euro, every dollar, uh, you know, across uh, virtually every currency and supported by virtually every language around the world. That, that's, that's going through our, our system. And it's, you know, the, while COVID has been tough and you guys guided down in the Wall Street 
parlance in terms of the expectation of growth, the growth numbers are still pretty impressive. I mean, you know, at least to me, well over 20% annual growth on the top line um, is is great, I think, even though it's not the 30 or 40% that you might have put up in earlier years. Well, look, we think this is a huge total addressable market, uh, nearly $100 billion as a, as a market of business spend management. And our challenge uh, and our journey for the last 13 years and, and going forward is to develop this category within this large total addressable market to meet the needs of, of companies large and small around the world. And just this morning, Corey, I was on the phone with a prospective customer that's using an AS400 system still uh, in their uh, in IT environment to to, get, to make sense of spend. And, you know, they're, they're obviously at risk. Their users are, are frustrated. They don't have visibility. They're, they're not getting the best deal. So that stuff's you know, still like, out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember covering, I'm old, I remember covering Y2K and just being amazed at how many old computing systems were really big companies running really critical infrastructure. Maybe not the stuff that was the cutting edge of what these companies were doing, but really were the backbone of these companies. And I guess you're still seeing that. That's right. That's right. We're either going into greenfield environments or we're upgrading from older legacy systems. But in every case, we're unlocking this, this incredible visibility into the company's expenditures and helping them optimize. Your, um, I was listening to some comments by your chief marketing officer at a recent uh, financial conference, Bank of America conference, and he had this great line about the behavior of uh, chief financial officers during the pandemic and that in some cases the CFO was the CF no in terms of companies wanting to make these big changes and do the software implementations um, at a time of crisis, that being COVID. Um, one could have looked at, and I think a lot of people did look at the pandemic as a time when everyone wanted to cut expenses and therefore would adopt Coupa software. And while some did, some didn't. And like, as I mentioned, you have seen a big slowdown in your growth rate, still a growth rate that most people would take. What's going on right now uh, that would be different than the pandemic? Because now, you know, now the concern isn't the pandemic as much the concern is a p- potential recession in the future or in the present moment. And that's you know, as, as I suggested, the CFNOs don't need much of an excuse to not spend money on new projects. Well, what we're seeing uh, in a lot, of, a lot of parts of the world is that many of those digital transformation projects that were part of the kind of CFNO, uh, 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 you know, equation during a, in a very acute phase of, of COVID have now uh, come back online. And folks are realizing that if they need to prepare for the resiliency they'll need to have, in a potential recessionary environment, they'll need to have visibility into their expenditures. They'll need to be dy- able to dynamically control expenditures, stop them, reroute them to the right places, uh, manage their supply chain agility, which we, we help uh, them do as well. So, so we're seeing a lot of those projects come back online and, uh, uh, and they're being initiated. Now, you always have a push and pull, Corey. Where, you know, spend to save is, is an element of this equation. But the kind of savings numbers we've been able to generate for our customers around the world and the referenceability we have now uh, in that area and beyond is really, really strong. So we're seeing initiatives around business fund management arriving higher in the stack of priority than you know many of the other uh, digital transformation agendas that, that we see in enterprise software, which, which bodes well for us. So why the guide down then? Well, first of all, we're operating at a completely different scale uh, than we were even entering COVID. Just to give you a sense, you know, we, we had roughly 1,100, 1,200 people when COVID hit. We're well over 3,000 people today all over the world. Our revenue run rate is significantly larger than it sure. was when we, when we uh, entered into COVID. When there is a 
slowdown that happens and, over and, and certain- trailing 12 months, what, $750 million or so in the uh, top line for you guys? Uh, something like that. I don't yeah. want to quote exactly, Corey, but so, something along those lines of where we're operating roughly 800 million or so, which, yeah. you know, the 90 so percent is, is, is recurring. Uh, but what I wanted to, to explain is that when you go through a period when there is a slowdown during COVID to reaccelerate uh, back to levels that you were at before takes a certain period of time and it doesn't happen, you know, in one quarter of recovery. So we're thoughtfully investing into that. We're also incredibly thoughtful about our cash flow and rule of 40 and all the other sales and marketing efficiency measures that we look at, our margins. Uh, so we can easily tune our own business based on how the marketplace is developing uh, within our within our total addressable market to push and pull uh, based on that. What are you hearing from customers? Um, you know, the, we, we've talked a little bit on the show in recent episodes about how the notion of recession is can be with the ex- executives kind of a self fulfilling prophecy, and even saying the word out loud, it's like conjuring the the, the demons of a slowdown. I wonder what you're hearing from your customers and what you're seeing in terms of their um, eagerness to spend. Well, obviously some of them get it and obviously more of them get it because you still got growth, but. Sure, sure. No, they get it. I think what's happening is we're in a very unprecedented time in, you know, 2022 here today in the sense that information is becoming more and more perfect with each day. And when I get up on a certain morning and the market is up and sentiment is more positive, the conversations during that day are influenced by the, the starting point of, of that morning, similarly on the other side of it. So Isn't we're living awful? in a very impressive. <laughs> don't, you, don't you wish people could just turn the CNBC off for a minute and stop getting so excited about anything that's happening on the given. When I was um, building a house years ago and I was trading full time, I would come home and I, you could walk through the house years later and see the days that I had a good day in the market, the days that had a bad day in the market because there were electric blinds in the rooms where I was doing well. And then you go into the bathroom and there the crank blinds you got to use your hands with because those are them. No, stop spending. And the next day I'd come back and tell the contractor, start spending. Just what a moron I am. But it sounds like your customers are the same. Well, yes. and I, but, but, but having said that, as we've seen in the past, when there is a lot of stop start, stop start activity, eventually people realize they have to zoom out and look more broadly. And when you look at the more broader picture around our category, there's a huge opportunity. The customers are, are frustrated and suffering whatever solutions they have. And we have something that we think is really special. So it's a question of, uh, you know, that broader arc of, of our engagement with one another. What is the sales process like for you now and how has that changed? I know you you did an in-person user conference for the first time in many years and other companies are starting to see that too. And does that change your sales process? Does it help you share the stories in a more um, effective way? It does. The user conference does, but, but it also works within our system. You know, we don't have any uh, barriers between customers within our system. We have customers sharing insights with one another practitioners and given categories of spend cross company right there within Coupa. So we've been building this community of spend management professionals now for, you know, nearly a decade and a half and their referenceability and their best practices sharing and their insights within that community cultivates uh, a large portion of our growth. So uh, do you find you've got people who are experts on Coupa and have used it at one company and take that to another company because they're sort of the Coupa a guru uh, and can sort of maintain that as a job skill, not just a skill for their corporation? Absolutely. I think the record now is six times. So one individual has deployed Coupa, been involved in a Coupa deployment 
at six different companies over the course of the last decade and a half. And that's a lot of movement, but this is an ex become, you know, individuals be, really become an expert. We've had a number of CFOs that have used this at two to three companies now. So absolutely, this is, you know, we're building a recurring revenue business. We're building a business where we want to keep our customers forever. And so that it, it works really well for us to, to, to make sure that customers get value and then are willing to, to talk about it and share it broadly. And you've done a bunch of acquisitions in, in recent years as well. We have. We, we, we started our, you know, call it acquisition muscle, something like 10 years ago, uh, initially with smaller aqua hires than uh, companies that are, you know, a little bit bigger. And we're always looking for either a team uh, that we could put onto our platform to help us uh, develop code faster and, and get more products out, or a starting point of a certain product that we think we could really tighten up, make highly configurable, deploy best practices components into it and get it out to our customer base. Only solutions that are really ancillary to what we do, but build out the space of, of business by management. And so far, those those have gone very well. Yeah, you guys also boast a lot about user experience. Not being a user of the software, I'll have to take you on your word at that. Of course, every company says they've got great user experience. And I know I've kicked a couple of computers. I just kicked mine right now. But I not, not necessarily a, a reflection on Squadcast, which we use to make the podcast. But I wonder, um, uh, you know, with that complexity, as you add more and more features, keeping that user experience simple and clean, it's got to be a constant struggle. That's an incredible question, but it's it's grounded in our That's strategy. One in a row for me. That's one in a row. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, let me let me address that because it's it's part and parcel of our strategy as a company. We have a three wave strategy. Wave one is to make all the end user transactional spending highly usable for everything as it pertains to procurement, invoicing, pay expenses, that has remained on one organic, clean, beautiful code line with minimal lines of code for incredible value. That has been organic. What we've bought have been what we call power user applications, applications that are used by an expert user that may be in that application the entire day. For example, advanced sourcing applications or supply chain design applications. Those applications have a different user interface. It's, it's, it's significantly more complicated, but those individuals actually trained and working in that environment. So we bought the things that help unlock value out of transactional spend and, and built in so, those things in some cases, but we've stayed completely clean and organic in our transactional core. As you do acquisitions in aqua hires, is that something that's still necessary to do? Is, is Are we in a different place with tech employment right now? We've seen more in technology than any other aspect of the economy. We've seen a couple of companies uh, kind of let some people go or, or slow down their hiring uh, in the case of Apple and others. I wonder if the hiring um, picture has changed for you being based in Silicon Valley and uh, hiring those, you know, the going after those engineers that everyone else is going after or well, was going you know, after. The good news for us is we've always been a global company. As I mentioned, you know, nearly 3,500 people around the world. I'm sitting in our headquarters right now. And we only have, a, you know, a couple hundred people here. So we have developers all over the world. Uh, with a, we have a full follow the sun model for support all over the world. Uh, we have sales and marketing professionals all over the world, services professionals all over the world. So, yes, there are certain pockets where we're certainly affected, uh, but generally we have a really nice um, distribution there. So so we don't have as much of a risk as it pertains to talent acquisition as maybe some companies that are overly reliant on the Valley. It's been interesting to look at the city of San Francisco where our, you know, our offices are here and uh, just how dead it is downtown, how few companies have returned. I think the last statistic I saw was less than 40% of the employees were badging in um, than had been pre-pandemic. I bet. 
That that doesn't surprise me at all. That doesn't and surprise are, me. But are you seeing that as, you know, is, is that good for your business? More people being remote, more workers being remote? Does it make any difference at all? Well, first, let me say, when we set up this business, when we got going in 2009 and 10, I made sure that all of our offices were set up in a way where the office was just, you know, a place you could go or not go, right? I mean, you, you had access to what you needed through your windows, whether they be your phone or they be your your laptop or, or desktop, whatever it may be. So we actually were able to improve our deployment times by roughly a month uh, because people were remote. They didn't have to do all the travel. Uh, so we were always set up to be that way. But uh, but of course, you can't take away the value of person to person physical interaction. So now we're doing a lot of different things in our, in our offices where uh, we'll have people in for certain collaborative events or in some cases, people would work out of the office a few days a week. We're very flexible in that regard. We're not pushing people in, nor are we suggesting that uh, every meeting in person again is the way, uh, never meeting in person again is the way to go. And that's working well for us. It's, it's, it's working well for our business. Indeed it is. The numbers sure show that. Uh, Rob Bernstein, the CEO of Coupa, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. You bet. All right, coming up right next on the Drill Down Podcast, we're going to have one number that tells us a whole lot, the Drill Down Bite, right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. With Era, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A.com. And you can listen to the Drill Down Podcast on your smart speaker by saying, hey, Alexa, play the Drill Down Podcast, and you'll pick up right where you left off last. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at DrillDownPod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. We're back with the drill down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. Coupa talked about their spend under management. You know, these statistics, Isaac, are, are, are can be odd, but I think that sometimes they can be telling. In other words, they're, they're usually statistics that they like to give out when they look make a company look good, and they never give them out when they make the company look bad. But I do think this makes the company look like it's growing massively. So they talked about, we talked to Rob about the spend under management at $3.6 trillion, a, a, a jaw-dropping number. Before the pandemic, and here's the bite, their spend under management was $1.7 billion. So the wow. question was, can they grow during the pandemic? And they missed some numbers and Wall Street didn't like it and the growth rate slowed down. But their spend under management has grown by over 2,000% yeah. during the uh, pandemic. Um, and uh, that's, that's going to be nothing but impressive for this company. That is impressive. And can I tell you one thing about Coupa? Please. The first time I ever had Rob on one of my programs way back in the day was uh, at, at our former employer, Bloomberg, before it was public. And I remember at the time, he was like a new kid on the block. He, was, uh, he had raised a, he had had a substantial venture raise, and uh, but it was still kind of a tough sell to get him on the air um, within the, within, you know, within our confines and our metrics. But I had, I really believed in, this company. And I, uh, I thought that this is a CEO to watch. And I got to say, I'm patting myself on the back right now. Well, we'll see what the earnings look like uh, next quarter. Yeah, we'll see what where happens we next week too. So close to earnings, uh, that company coming out with earnings fairly soon. Keep an eye on that one. Thank you for your time. We appreciate all of you listening to the show. I'm Corey Johnson, Isaac Webster's our executive producer. Our editor extraordinaire is Ben Wilson. The Drill Downs of Production Business Podcast Network.